Welcome to Force Bikes. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan, along with my co-host, Greg. Hello. And actually, Greg, today we have another special guest co-host, right? We got uh, the famous and infamous around the Milwaukee scene, Russell Lilly, who has been a very avid uh, kind of cuber, and you've joined a lot of the... Uh, you, you have a couple different play groups that you travel in within the Milwaukee circle, but you're, you're pretty well known around town, right? You've been playing for a while, and... I, I have been playing for a while, definitely. When did you start playing, actually? I started back in Ice Age. That was my freshman year in high school, and uh, Ice Age had just come out, and so I think available for purchase was uh, Fallen Empires, Ice Age, and 4th Edition packs in the stores. All very quality. Mm-hmm. Get that just Shivan Dragons yeah. and uh Jins and <laughs> all kinds of old-school cards. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, and uh, and let's not forget about the thrills. Get that thrill champion going, and actually there were a Definitely. couple. There are a couple pretty good ones. You know, the the there was a thrill that if it wasn't blocked, you could sack it and have them discard three cards. Yeah, the mind stab. Mind stab. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that guy was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we're glad to have you on today's podcast. Is this number nine? Yeah, number nine. We're on number nine. Okay, we're almost to double digits. One more to go. And today we have a full roster of stuff to talk about, right, Greg? Yeah, it's been it's been a little while. <laughs> yeah. By a little while, I mean like two weeks or a week and a half at least. Yeah, it's Sorry, been about a week and a half. Our schedules have kind of been in flux due to the elections and due to uh, some other issues. Greg got a little ill, but he's feeling better now. And we also had the PT in Minnesota this weekend, uh, which we'll talk about later. But, um, Greg, do you want to just run over what we'll be talking about today? Uh, sure. Um, f- first of all, as, as a quick introduction, um, if, you, if you haven't listened to our show befo- before, uh, we are we are Force Bikes, which is basically a, a show that is, is designed to talk about uh, magic-related things that will be interesting to people that are Spikes. So um, today, specifically, um, what's been going on in the magic in the magic world, um, with a couple of shout-outs, some interesting draft videos, and some different um, Tezzeret fo- um, art that that came out that was released, and then a bunch of some other random things, and then also our guest Russ has a sportsmanship um, topic and some some different uh, things to talk about, and we're gonna. We're going to kind of interact with with those things as well. So that's that's pretty much our show today. Sounds like fun. Absolutely. So let's just jump right into it and get started on uh, the Russell part of the show. Russell, who are you, and what are you doing on our show today? <laughs> well, uh, like you said, I'm I'm a player in the the Milwaukee community. Not uh, not so much in the in the tournament scene, but I do do a lot of. Uh, uh, play within different play groups in in Milwaukee. Um, do a lot of limited play, and I've uh, been around for a while. But um, uh, not not as much as I said in in terms of uh, 
playing at at big events um that that really hasn't been a lot of the the kind of playing that i've done in the past um but one of the things that i that i did want to come on with you guys and and uh i think it was really well brought up a little bit in part uh, a couple of episodes ago when you had diana on john and uh, you guys were talking a little bit about uh language that's used by magic players and it kind of sparked a, a thought in me that uh you know maybe it would be a good thing to talk a little bit about uh sportsmanship and and how it relates to the the magic community and kind of take a little deeper look at that absolutely and and that's true it is a huge part of the game and one that is so often overlooked because we're so focused on all the other parts where you know you have to worry about what the tournament structure is going to be, knowing the metagame, knowing uh, the different uh, draft archetypes that are out there, knowing the different uh, quality of cards, and, and all those, you know, kind of intricate parts of the game, but ultimately it is a game, uh, it's a competitive game, there's a lot of uh, interactions you have, but that's all about sportsmanship, and at the end of the day, a game between, you know, many players and, and building community and all that stuff, sportsmanship is a huge part, although, you know, it's probably undervalued quite a bit, and, and it's, I think that's a great idea to talk about, and we're glad, glad you came on to talk about that today. Um, is there anything specifically that kind of pops to mind about sportsmanship that you want to jump right into? Yeah, I think uh, there, there's a couple of things that kind of jump out and, and uh, are good to, to think about. <clears throat> Probably one of the first things that um, we need to recognize is that uh, sportsmanship, as, as magic becomes a more mainstream hobby, which is something that I think you guys have brought up in the past, and we're starting to see now that uh, magic is really beginning to grow uh, a lot more explosively than it has in the past. And, and as Wizards has changed their their uh, marketing plans and their, their ways that they're producing sets, they're adding a lot more new players to the, the player base than they have in the past. And so with those new players comes a, a lot of people that haven't uh, experienced interaction between magic players before obviously um and and it can be kind of jarring for somebody coming in who's new to hear some of the things that that magic players say to one another and in in professional sport sportsmanship plays a much more uh important role and a much more uh a much more central role in terms of uh the sort of the uh the activities of the players um, that uh, the the code of etiquette that uh, that people follow as they're playing the game um, is a lot more important in all kinds of different sports, and and it's something that I think gets glossed over a lot of times in Magic. Um, these things are are important for a lot of different reasons. Uh, they're demonstrators of professionalism. Um, to the the player and the hobby in general um and it, it sort of that respect for players is is really important and gets uh gets lost a lot when uh when we're so deep in in wanting to win the game i think this kind of alludes to and not to cut you off um but i'm curious um at the at, at higher level uh tournaments and, and events there's definitely a lot of very cordial um, sportsmanship that I, at least I've seen, with a constant, um, it's 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 commonplace at the end of 
all games at a higher level for a handshake to be to be offered um, from the person that you know at the, at the end at the end of the game. Like you see that almost all the time. Whereas that's not something that's necessarily a part of of some of the lower levels of competition, which is really interesting given the fact that the com- the competitive like the competitive spirits of all the players at the higher level is significantly higher. So. I don't know. I, I, I think it's interesting um, w- what your thoughts may, may be as to is that something that is the is like the only aspect of sportsmanship that you see at that higher level, or is is that an example of the type of thing that you're you're alluding to with regards to these other sports? Definitely, and I think there are a lot of you know in intricacies about uh, just the little rules that people uh, f- choose to follow or don't. Um, the in contention guys uh, on the uh, uh, the Magic Network uh, did a good uh, real sound uh, wrap up of of sportsmanship on episode fourteen, and uh, they talked a lot about timing and and. Uh, um, just the way that you approach the end of the game, uh, whether you're the winning player or the losing player, there are kind of these unwritten rules that you may not be aware of or may not be thinking about um, because they are so underlying and so not often addressed uh, to the magic community. You know, a lot of people think about uh, the technicality of, of the play style and, uh, you know, winning the game and doing everything that it takes to to be number one. You know, that's what competitive magic a lot of times is about. Uh, that's where the focus is. But we also need to watch out for, you know, treating the other player with respect. That's going to be something that is very important for attracting new players to the hobby. If if you get a new player into FNM, for example, and they they come for the first time, and uh, they're not treated with respect by their opponents, they're less likely to come back and continue playing the game. And that's something that we don't necessarily see the effects of right away, but it's something that hurts the hobby overall in the long run. Um, when those players don't return to the game. Uh, everybody benefits when there are more people involved in the game. You have higher prize payouts at your, your big events. You have more interest in the sure. community. You know you have community building, more people to play with. And uh, if, if everybody doesn't do their part to kind of encourage that by treating their opponents with respect, by saying, you know, at the end of the game, by making eye contact with someone and saying, hey, good game. Even, you know, even if it, it doesn't really matter whether you're the player that lost or the player that won, make that eye contact and, and reach out your hand and say, good game. You know, that, show that other person that you respect that they, you know, sat down to battle with you. And I think that that's something that's, that's really important and that kind of gets glossed over in the, the drive to win. Completely agree. And I think that um, if you look to actually some of the top players that are winning right now and doing really well. A great example is Brad Nelson, especially in the most recent interview with um, Robert, that will that with uh, Robert the Beamy that we'll get into later a little bit. Uh, but he even says, you know, I I enjoy this game. I have a lot of fun, and it's a game. And he is, you know, great sports, a uh, great sport about it. And a lot of the highest level players that I've seen compete are cordial. Um, Sometimes they'll be very quiet just because they're kind of in, you know, game mode, especially when they're focusing and they won't say that much. But I very rarely have seen someone at the high level be rude. It has happened, but it's definitely the exception and not the rule, or be a jerk for no reason or anything like that. It happens with scrubs that, you know, have 
like inadequacy issues or they have their own things going on or whatever and they want to like kind of put other people down to make themselves you know feel elevated that does happen but at the highest levels of the games people who are really uh know what they're doing it's definitely um it's definitely something to pay attention to and and that's i don't think that's a coincidence i think that's all part of uh you know being competitive and and a true love for the game and a true appreciation for it i i actually think that that's that's a big part of of one of of what separates uh pros from from people that are um trying to break in into that club like you you see that very frequently at the you know you've got Every community, every every local community has an F and M with players that range in skill. And on the upper end of that that skill range, you might have some players that aren't particularly fun to play against. But they're they're not. A lot of those players are not the types of players that actually go on to be successful in this game. Beyond that, the people that are, as Jonathan said, a lot of people at the at the upper upper echelons of the game have gotten there because they are um, good sportsmen. They, they do um, things that actively um, make the other players in the game um, re- respect them be- because they treat their, their opponents with respect. And I think that, that that is a big part of their ability to network, and, and networking is a huge, huge component of being successful within this game, both from a playtesting standpoint and having and having a group of players that you can that you can actually playtest when it comes to constructed formats and 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 limited. Um, so I, th- I think that like I, I I not only see that correlation, but I think that that correlation is 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 much more of a a cause and effect than than it may be obvious to to any of us. Definitely. And, uh, you know, along with that, that networking that you were talking about, you know, Magic is really a very um, tightly knit group. The the people who play this game, we know each other. You know, there there is a very tight community that follows uh, competitive play, both at, at your local FNM and at your, your more regional events. And if, if you choose not to... Um, exercise that sportsmanship if you if you decide that you're not going to go down that road of of treating your opponent with respect and and uh um, decency you know you you will feel the backlash of that i think i think that you will encounter people who know you and know your reputation and aren't willing to to treat you with respect in return uh because of the choices that you made in the past so it not only does it help you to be more respectful to your opponent too uh you know, recognize when when you know maybe you you ended up getting lucky on that you know game three and uh, I I ended up my my opponent was was flooded and I ended up drawing better than he did and uh, you know recognizing that can go a long way towards making people respect you in the future and everybody has those bad beats and it's much better you know at the end of the day when you've when you have played against someone who just lucked out and and got the draw that they needed to to win the game absolutely and and if you're the guy that after he loses is going to you know scream and whine and moan about man screw this and da 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 that it's a going to give you a bad reputation as opposed to just saying you know it happens and and moving on i mean everyone can get salty we all you know but 
there's an extent where you're actually going too far with it and people recognize that and that's not gonna you know do you any favors in the long run because you got to think like it might make you feel a little better for that immediate after the game but it's gonna start to diminish your reputation over time or if you're gonna be even worse and the type of guy who's gonna pick his deck up and throw it across the room after you lose or you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we never we've never met anybody that's done that. Yeah, certainly not. Not on multiple <laughs> occasions. It's actually, yeah, it's 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 it is it is funny when that happens, um, but it but it's it's more funny like laughing at somebody than with them because absolutely you know yep. you're you're not really it, it's just it's just a childish thing to do and it's also. Yeah, any anything like that, whatever it is, going on tilt in any type of way like that, um, where you're, you know, demonstratively upset and you're so much so that you're actually going to do like a physical act of violence, like really. And the other side of it too is that when you get, when when you're a bad sportsman in the sense, especially if you're really upset about getting mana screwed or whatever, one who is you know, says, oh, you know, I just got really unlucky and this and that. And, oh, you're so lucky. How nice. Must be nice. Da-da-da-da. We've all heard, you know, kind of the, the whole, there's a whole string of words that go along with that, right? Like, you got, you know, you know what I'm talking about where it's like, oh, must be nice. How lucky. Da-da-da. And it's, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the players, like, there's, there's definitely players that have never never quote-unquote lost a game of magic in their life exactly 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 that's exactly the point i'm making perfect that's the best way to say you've never lost a game match in your life and what does that mean it means that ultimately not only are you possibly hurting your reputation with those around you and making it less fun for people to hang out with you and to want to maybe play test and da 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 but the other you're side not learning. Too. You're not learning, and you're tricking yourself into thinking that along the decision tree, you didn't make any mistakes, and there weren't any. You're, you're just saying, you're basically one saying, I did everything perfectly. It was just the cards, and two saying, I'm not even going to take this opportunity of a loss to learn anything from. I'm just going to, mm-hmm. you know, say, you know, to hell with it. These cards, you know, sometimes give me, sometimes don't, and you're going to reach your ceiling. So. There's actually almost a selfish reason, if that's not, you you guys know what I mean, like, it's almost like, if you really want to advance and get better, you should be a good sportsman, and that probably has a good reason to do with why Brad Nelson and all these other guys, you know, uh, Pat Chapin, and all these people who are at such a high level are doing so well, there's probably a correlation there, right, between good behavior, good sportsmanship, and good play. You You can gain so much, so, so much, from... The, the only other person in the room that was there for the entire game and match that you just, that you just were in, if, if you win or if you lose, and to actively communicate to that person respect and just, just general cordialness means that you can either a ask them if they noticed anything whether you won or lost like like especially like if you if you generate that kind of reputation and that kind of relationship with people even when you win there will be people that that will will be like hey and there's this one thing that I noticed that you did that you could maybe do you know slightly better and if you do that slightly better you're going to do better for the rest of the tournament and that helps i mean and that always helps you anytime that you, especially when you're in a bigger tournament you want your opponents after you play them to be successful so it's 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 actively it's 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 positive on a number of different levels outside of just you know these these you know being being nice. I mean it's it's actually from an from from a, a statistical standpoint to your betterment 
to to be nice. Definitely. You know, and to return a little bit to what Jonathan was talking about a little bit ago about, you know, kind of going on tilt, I think I think we've all experienced that. I, I don't think anybody is immune to kind of getting that um, that disappointment level um, of, of, you know, just missing out. And, you know, one of the things that, that I find that, that helps me out a lot is instead of relying on that, because you're right, Jonathan, there is like a string of, of words that we use in the magic community. And it's interesting. It's a vocabulary that's unique to magic of must be nice, you know, must be nice. You, you lucked out, you know, instead of saying that, what I've done in, in some of my online matches, because I play a lot of magic online, um, is I'll, I'll describe what I'm feeling a lot more. So I'll say, boy, I'm really frustrated by how that game went out. It seemed like you had all the cards that you needed when you needed them. And maybe I'll ask a question, did you did you have multiple copies of you know, a card that got played against me a lot? And just rephrasing things in a way that is not the same constant kind of drone of those those catchphrases, those cliches, makes your opponents a lot more open to you, and it makes them understand what you're feeling, and and that yeah yeah it is frustrating to kind of lose when I drew, you know, three games in a row my cerebral eruption and and raft your your board or you know i drew both my arc trails and you know two for one you twice in each game, so you know. Moving away from the catchphrases that we kind of rely on as magic players because they they're they're so accurate at describing exactly what you're feeling, but at the same time they really don't help other people really connect with you in in terms of communicating. Um, I think is is really an effective way, you know, and it, it can it can kind of seem that. Uh, this this whole topic is just kind of touchy feely uh, BS that that people can kind of gloss over in their in their attempts to win. But I, I think you know it really does have an impact on not only you know your your reputation in the community and your your enjoyment of the game itself, but but also like Greg was saying that uh, it it can affect your ability to learn from your mistakes in the past. For sure. And the other, and and one more thing that I just want to get in there is the opposite is true too. Once again, where you know you don't want to be the guy who's like complaining and whining and da da. But you also don't want to be, you know, if you did just happen, your opponent got mana screwed, or you happened to get lucky in a certain way, and things just worked out as they sometimes do in your favor. You don't want to be like, oh man, you know, really kind of throwing it in their face and making such a big production out of it that's the one thing that i don't know why but it can really sometimes get to me when it really shouldn't is when i lose in in a you know way that has a lot to do with just the randomness of the game and i can respect that because it is you know you you as a good friend of mine just mentioned you know a couple weeks ago he says you know it's a game where you literally shuffle the deck put it in front of your opponent and roll dice to start like you know that's that's just how it is. So that, but for whatever reason, when someone I'm playing against, if they just go nuts on how you know awesome of a play it was and how good they were and how good they've you know drafted their deck and da da da, when more of it has to do with something else, that's gonna you know sometimes get me to say, well, actually this 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 and this happened, and if it goes the other way, then it's very likely you know I could pull out the game or da 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 even though I should just say you know what good game and, and move on that's one of my own kind of like personal you know annoyances 
do you guys have anything like that? Anything that puts you guys on, you know, off a little bit during a game that that gets you pissed off or even just on tilt a little bit? Yeah, there there is one for me when uh, when I'm playing against uh, an opponent and I'll I'll end up winning the game and they'll they'll say that you know they couldn't cast one card and if they'd just been able to cast that one card they would have won the game, you know and a lot of times they're they're making a claim like that without having any idea of what the other cards in my hand are of you know how many other turns it would take to to kind of get the game to a point where they'd win and it it can be really deceiving to think you know if I'd only been able to cast a judge on turn four you know i would have been able to reset the board and i totally would have won but that may not be true you know who knows how would you have interacted after they did that exactly exactly and i think that a lot of times that kind of gets missed so that that does kind of push my buttons a little bit how would you greg um my example isn't one that I'm particularly proud of, um, <laughs> but I'll mention nevertheless because I think that there are people that can certainly relate. Um, when it comes to tight mechanics within a game, um, players that that play in a very sloppy way, in a, in a very non-OCD way, uh, can really get on my nerves because there are game ambiguities that are then created as a result of that game state ambiguities for for example um when you tap your lands i tap my lands a, a full 90 degrees some people tap their lands at like a 45 degree angle and if you've got uh, or or creatures or or all, all you know any, any kind of permanence or things of that nature if you do that and you've got a lot of a lot of different permanence on on the battlefield you may have things shift just randomly as you as you as you move in such a way where it may appear that those things are untapped even if that is completely just your your style that type of thing um really like frustrates the hell out of me <laughs> it's not it's not even it's not really a sportsmanship thing um which is which is why it's you know not even particularly related to this topic but it's that type of thing that type of like those types of mechanics um or or for example and this 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 one probably even more so um drawing before untapping uh, and i know that's that i mean maybe i'm just being you know rules or whatever but that actually um annoys me especially in um in formats that have cards that actively um pay attention to whether you are choosing to untap them or not like oh, rustic for example like oh, yeah. you're, you're you're actively gaining information off of drawing that card and yes uh, you might not you might not have that card in your uh, in play or maybe that card was untapped anyway but that doesn't change the fact that that particular game mechanic is having potentially an impact on the game that it should not well, and there, there's other, you know, that, that's a whole other set of issues where it's 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 basically an infringement upon the rules because there, you know, you might for whatever reason you might want to disperse something on their upkeep as opposed to the end of your turn, absolutely or in combat or something else. There's, I mean, you never know. There's, um, you know, you might want to tap something down on their upkeep that can produce mana with the. Um, tumble magnet or there you know there's all sorts of stuff so skipping your upkeep and just going straight to draw without untapping seems like definitely not exactly a sportsman 
ship type thing, but I can see how that can get you on tilt, and definitely something to call someone out for. Uh, if if it's cool with you guys, moving on from sportsmanship, kind of on a related note, or did did you guys want any other thoughts on this one? I'm I'm good. Were, did you have uh, were all the things that you had prepared? Did we get to all those things, Russ? Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, I'd like to transition then to the next part of the show, which is about cheating. Very interesting topic in Magic that's actually come up a bit, and, and Robert, uh, the B-Me, brought it up in his interview with Brad Nelson, who referenced that one more. You guys should listen to it if you haven't yet. It's awesome. Uh, he does a great job interviewing, as he does with all of the interviews, actually. So if you, if you haven't heard that, they're all on the MTG cast main site, and we highly recommend checking those out, right? Although, actually, Greg, you haven't listened to him yet, right? You've been sick. Yeah, I've been. I, I was. I literally had. <laughs> I, had I had a fever for like two days. Um, not not quite bad enough to go to a doctor, but not it the was, cowbell fever. It was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I got a fever. <laughs> More cowbell. No, although that's a, that's ironic because I definitely played rock band uh, this weekend and had to tap the microphone <laughs> as a cowbell. Anyway, yes. um, Chris Rock would be proud. Yes, he would. Okay, um, but, so, but I have I haven't I haven't had a chance to check out um, Robert's Robert's interview yeah. that was posted on GGS Live, but we okay. definitely uh, want to shout that out right now. Yeah, it's it's I have, and it's really really good. Um, there, well, there's one on GGS Live, but there's other ones that he did just a not not on the GGS Live, but he just did podcasts of. Um, he did one with. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name. He's done a couple. Check him out. They're all on the site, and they're very good. Um, but moving along, so cheating, the next segment that we'll talk about is, first of all, just like, that's just the worst, because ultimately, you're just bringing down a whole, like, okay, I'm, see, I'm, I'm already getting almost, like, heated, even just thinking about it, that's where I'm at with it, well, why don't you guys start off the introduction on cheating, I, I wanna, I wanna collect my thoughts a little bit before we go on, uh, Russell or Greg, uh, go ahead and take the mic. Um, well, I, I think that um, a, a lot of the places that this comes in, you know, cheating goes a, a long way back in Magic. I think we've all heard the stories of, of Mike Long and the, the cad bloom on the lap. Um, <laughs> but I think that... <laughs> That, uh, Mike you know, Long makes it on to, to four spikes yet yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, definitely. I don't think they've ever met, but that's Greg's arch, arch enemy. <laughs> that's like some ski man and hell, uh, he man and Skeletor stuff going on. Nice, yeah. nice. You know, I, I I think that as as often as it may happen in in constructed, it's probably a lot more often uh, happening in limited. You know, and. Probably the most common thing is is adding uh, cards to a, a, a either a, a draft or a sealed pool, um, and it, things like that are really hard for for people to spot. You know, the the judge cast does. Um, one of the most recent uh, episodes, they go into a little bit about how the DCI um, really uh, enforces rules and the sort of the, the approach that they take to it. And when it comes to something like cheating, the DCI and the, the rules enforcement isn't really about proving that someone cheated. It's it's about looking for behaviors that are typically, you know, kind of indicative or or really red fingers. You know, the DCI isn't really about a, a court of law or, you know, finding the people guilty for, for actually cheating. But 
instead of that, they, they look for behaviors that are really um, indicative of, of that kind of behavior, um, of, of adding cards or, or of uh, looking at extra cards or things like that. And I think that one of the, the ways that you can kind of protect yourself a lot from, from things like that is just be really open uh, with, with your card. If, if you're in a, if you're in a, a game um, with a group of people um, and, and your, your game's over or whatever, and, and anybody asks to, to look at your card pool, uh, if this is not someone that, you sh- that you're going to play in the future, you really need to be careful about refusing to show your card pool um, because I think that that's one of the first biggest tip-offs of, of somebody who may be you know, adding cards to their card pool is not being willing to share that card pool with other people, especially when we're talking about you know, the TO or a judge or even you know, an opponent that you may have played or already played or somebody else coming by to, to take a look at your cards. Even though you may not be adding any cards, if you refuse to show a card pool, it it throws up a red flag, I think, in in a lot of people's minds about uh, you know your um, your legitimacy or your uh, uh, searching for the word there, but I can't find it. You know, it just it it it, it makes it uh, kind of suspicious when you're not willing to do suspicious that. Suspicious is, is really. I mean, that's, that's, that's the word, not necessarily in that particular sentence that you're, you're constructing, but that was the word you were really getting at is, is it, it becomes very suspicious. Um, and I, and I, and I think that those, that's an example of a series of type, like types of, of activities that just give that, you know, sketchy, you know, um, or like vibe. And that's something you really don't want to be doing to to really anybody because it's especially in tournament settings it's really the responsibility of of players and onlookers to make judges aware of that type of suspicious activity i mean mm-hmm. I, I don't know i don't know that particular example of of somebody requesting to see somebody else's card pool that might be a, one that's a little a little awkward from a you know, asking the judge, I asked, you know, going up to a judge saying, Hey, I, I asked to see somebody's card pool and they didn't let me. That's suspicious. Like that's, that's not really one that, that comes off in that way, but the act, the activity of, you know, being really like careful without saying, you know, Hey, I don't, you know, I don't really want you to like give this information or something of that nature without, without that kind of obvious interaction, mm-hmm. it is suspicious. And, and that might be perceived as such. And that, and that might just kind of make people on edge running, which is definitely not something you want to be doing in general. Um, and definitely in terms of, you know, if if you were in a constructed event, for example, and somebody was like, show me your, your 75, you know, a, a big part of, of magic is... Uh, knowledge and in, in information and uh, you know your sideboard tech and things like that and and we're kind of trained as as players of the game that you don't want to give out that information and so it can it can really be something where you're not even thinking about it in terms of you know this could be suspicious activity that I'm I'm you know not letting someone take a look at this this card pool but that is something that uh, you know people can can kind of look at and say, you know, uh, uh, something doesn't strike me as right about that. And so, it, 
especially if I'm playing in a you know in a sealed environment or a, a limited environment, I'm always going to be a lot more willing to let people, even you know people that I'm have a probably not people that I have a chance of of playing yet in the rest of the event, but certainly people that I've already played, uh, I'm I'm going to be a lot more willing to take, let them take a look at my deck because I I would not want you know any questions about my uh, my card pool. Or, or you know, if if it was actually legitimate or, or things like that. The reality is, what's the disadvantage? Like, okay, you you just referenced like, exactly the crux for me. Like, if you're talking about somebody you just played, what what possible logic or rationale could you have of denying somebody asking? Yeah. You know, like, why not have yeah. like like as as a player wanting to be better? Why not actively have somebody who you just played, who just saw how you interacted with another deck? Why not have that person with first-hand knowledge of your deck, the only other one of the only other people in in the room that has that first-hand knowledge of how your deck interacts? Why not have them give you some insights on either a deck construction? Maybe you maybe you missed something in that in that pool that you totally didn't even like catch as an interaction. Or, or perhaps just the way that you 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 played the the cards that you had, like like that's those are the types of conversations that generally come out of those. You know, hey, let me look at your deck. They don't just say, oh, okay, and then ignore it and then give it back back to you. Hardly ever. It's always, oh, so what was your rationale on that? And then it sparks these conversations that. Sure. I mean, the, the the bottom line is is that the person that you just played has the most information about your deck other than other than you. And you can actively gain um, and learn from somebody that has a little bit of an insight to how your deck plays. Have them take a look at it and, and give you some feedback. And that feedback is is not even something. I mean, they're they're actively asking you to help you. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, uh... Yeah, exactly, and and there's a lot that you can gain from that, but um, but we also have uh, just not to interrupt, but we have a, a guest that's going to be joining us. Uh, Kyt from uh, the A team is on right now, and he if you can pop him on there. Hey, Kyt, you on? Yeah, yeah, I'm on. There he is. <laughs> nice. Welcome, uh, infamous Kyt from the A team, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, mana deprived, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, and uh, yeah, definitely. Um, we want to welcome KYT from the A team, and we also, uh, before we get into all that, we want to say first of all, congratulations on getting a sponsorship. You guys are, are paid for now, right? You guys are a sponsored podcast. Um, it's it's really a short term deal. I think a lot of stores don't really know, like podcasting, as much as it existed for a while now. I think it's really new in terms of what it could bring in terms of traffic to a store, right? Sure, so sure. I think a lot of these people, maybe Star City Games, have, have devoted themselves to the OMTG Taps, but uh, that's why you don't see many other stores sponsoring. I think it's it's because they don't know, right? So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, they don't know yet, but now you guys are getting it started, and you're going to let them know, so holler. But uh, <laughs> congrats on that, man. That's awesome. And Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, and and we wish you a lot of continued success with it. I know there's a couple other ones, right? Like, I think that the flagship um, Monday Night Magic is, of course, and it has been for a while. Also, uh, UMTG Taps, I believe, is a paid sponsorship. Yep. And I think, oh, uh, 
mana screwed is, right? They're, they're sponsored, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, and anyway, we were just getting into uh, and cheaters and how they <laughs> ruin the game for everyone and how awful it is. Um, so, what are your thoughts on cheaters, KYT? For, against? I mean, the, the floor is wide open. Well, okay, I'm, oh, I'm against cheating, okay. obviously. You're going to be Are you that? sure? <laughs> Is this a trick question? How could anybody be for cheating? Exactly. And that's the point. How can anyone be for cheating? So if you guys see anyone with shady behavior, call them on it right away. If any of you out there listening to us are cheaters, stop listening to us or stop cheating. But the buck stops here because that's just gets under my skin more than anything else. And plus the fact of the matter is is that you're really only hurting yourself for the long term because short term, yeah, you might win a game or even a couple games, but you're going to get caught eventually. You will get caught. Someone will call you on it. And you might get banned forever from playing this game or for 10 years or you just might be you know tooling people out of you know fair wins and all that so for all intents and purposes it's basically like one of the worst things you can do in the whole card game so it's right up there with like would you guys say to cheat to win a game is up there with like ripping off a little kid who's it's their first time and they like crack a cough and you trade him like some common for it like I guess you'd have to say what kind of cheating, but I'd rank that right up there with like scummiest things you can do to like destroy the game of Magic. I'm just yeah. heated right now. Like I don't know, I, honestly, I, I, think, I think it's worse. <laughs> like, like, like you could you could find a scenario where you could justify the example you just came up with. I can't find scenarios where you can where you can really realistically justify cheating. Like to be, I, to be honest, I like, agree with like, that. There, there, like. What what moral plateau can you be on where you somehow can say, well, here's a justification for cheating? Like I, I don't know that that that's one that I, I would have a hard time wrapping my head around. Yeah. Whereas you could you could come up with a hypothetical where, you know, blah blah blah, you bought the pack and you gave the, the kid like a bunch of cards and you know for some some blah blah like you could you could come up with with a hypothetical where it's like not that bad. Listen, Greg, none of us none of us are asking how you got your fourth cough. I'm just saying. <laughs> cheating's really bad, so people shouldn't do it. And that's and it just oh god, it gets under my skin so bad. And especially because if we you know, there's been a couple things that have came up recently and it's just like it's the worst. And KYT, how about you? Have you had any instances or people you've actually had someone cheat against you? Um before uh before I say that I wanted to for cheating, there's actually a guy that I think I've heard him say that you know if if the other person's not good enough to catch him cheat then you know oh wow <laughs> I think oh, I'm that's someone that. it doesn't surprise me but it it is depressing that's totally that mentality too right like 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 it's it's the same thing like blaming a rape victim it's like well obviously she wanted to be raped or else you know da 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 it's that's like it's like almost socio like sociopathological like craziness that could even bring someone to think that way because you're just justifying your own terribleness and your own terrible behavior when you're talking like that. Nothing. Right. Else. Well, you know, I think it really goes along with what we were talking about earlier about that drive to win. You know, I, I think uh, a lot of people, or or not even a lot of people, but I think it's 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 certainly something that can happen where you get carried away with that uh, that desire to win and and. Uh, 
slowly but surely you can kind of begin to justify things to yourself that you know if you had started out saying well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna you know put this cadaverous bloom on my lap and then when i need to draw it i can put it right into my hand you know if 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 you had started out the the road to victory saying that you probably would have uh, scoffed at it and said well that's ridiculous but you know as you go bit by bit I, I think you know people can get sucked into that kind of decision because of that drive to win. And again, to go back to uh, what we were talking about earlier with sportsmanship, you know, if you want to get blacklisted in the community, doing that is a great way to do it. Because <laughs> we were talking about how it's bad to to be known as a guy or as a person who you know treats their opponents disrespectfully. Being known as someone who who cheats at magic is 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 much worse than that. And that that's a reputation that it takes a long time to scrub away. And you may never get you know that out from under your name. So it's definitely something to consider if you if you're thinking about doing that kind of activity. Absolutely. And in uh, KYT, we're going to bring up an example, um, or we just. Well, watch? I, I, I was just mentioned. I've been cheat. I, I'm not sure. Like I'm not going to say I'm 100 percent sure, but I've been cheated a bit in the past. Um, we're like a bunch of kids, right? And and I think it's hard. A bunch of kids. I'm not. I wasn't that much of a kid, but I, I'm a typical pushover type. And it's hard to really call someone out, right? Like we don't right. have. You know, a kid's not gonna be like calling a guy who's twice his size, two times his age, and say you cheated without being a hundred percent sure. And you're. And it's hard to be a hundred percent sure. Like the guy who cheated was basically drawing. Uh, mulliganing back into seven, right? Okay. Very, very fishy way of holding his cards. Or at pre-releases, there were reports because this was a local store that really didn't. And even on pre-releases, there's not much uh, strict rule enforcement. And we had suspicions that he was, you know, swapping cards with some other guy. And and that's the type of stuff that it's just too hard to prove. I mean, like, what do you do, really? So yeah, that's cer- that's certainty. On, on whether somebody actually did something, that's the part that about cheating that drives me the most nuts. Like if, if you if you're extremely confident that somebody drew an extra card and it's really late in the game, proving that even to yourself, even to, to try and give yourself certainty, let alone anybody else, or to prove to your opponent that you know that they did that, I mean that's just so difficult. Yeah, and yeah. and the and the other thing that's about it too is the other side of it too, which is there's the there's your own kind of mentality on it, but then there's the there's the added psychology, and usually cheaters, especially those that are good at it, are really like they'll they have like a veiled confidence, they have like you know all this other stuff going on where they're gonna bully they're they're bullies basically, and they're gonna bully you out of your you know, winnings or whatever it is. And KYT, I'm sure, like you're saying, you're a nice guy. You don't want confrontation. You don't want to, like, whatever. But this right. guy is probably just going to be like, what are you talking about? I didn't try any extra cards. Da, 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 and get in your face about it. You know, that's why you got to kind of, I guess, just call the judge immediately when it happens. And even if the judge is just the store, the TO, and just the store, you still got to call him and just prop up your case. And the fact of the matter is, is that when people keep doing that enough, if it happens once and nothing happens, yeah, it might be the case where 
you know, the, you know, if he gets away with it or she gets away with it. But if it happens multiple times, they're going to take notice and they're going to say, hey, you've had all these complaints against you. Something fishy is happening here. You know, this is the third pre-release in a row where something came up or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Right. And I think for me, um, I'm trying my best to, because I know I'm weak in certain aspects of the mental game, I just ask certain questions to, to prevent uh, cheating as as much as possible. Uh, uh, like asking, you know, making sure the guy's drawing seven before, or asking them how many cards and to show me the cards. So like doing a lot of preventive stuff and and that's really, really helped me. And uh, right. And I also ap- actually happen to be a hobbyist magician on the side, so it's been uh, that's that's it hasn't come up where I can have called someone on on using like a sleight of hand or anything, but uh, maybe someday I will. It'd be <laughs> that is. Do you know the hilarious. Do you know the mechanic grips there, KYT? Oh, <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely do. But uh, it is quite hard. Like I've actually tried just for fun. And it's quite hard to for me to manipulate cards in sleeves because they're they're a lot bigger and sure. uh, so that makes sense. I like I like to see someone try to really pull something off uh, in front of me. So <laughs> so that must be doubly complicated when you explain to like you know whoever like family members you haven't seen in a while or random girls you're talking to or whatever be like you know oh so so what are you doing this i'm i'm going to this tournament for magic oh you mean like no no but i do do that too but it's not that but you know with the wizards (laughs) oh it has okay but you know that has been true people have been confused uh by which one i've been referring to when i when i say stuff like that yeah definitely (laughs) that's funny well uh right on well i uh I the the I, I just want to say this last thought about cheating, um, and then and then hear your guys' last thoughts about then we can move on. But for me, it's like I just hope that everyone out there listening will be, you know, as active as they can in stopping this right away whenever they sing it. Anytime anything fishy happens, you know, don't hesitate. Call a judge right away, and like KYT says, be proactive. But it's just the worst thing in the world to ruin the game quickest and. You know, it just makes it worse for everybody involved, including the person cheating, because they ultimately will get caught and will get punished for it, socially and otherwise. Um, what do you guys? You guys have any last thoughts? Yeah, I had I had um, one one type of thing I wanted to bring up that's uh, more of an anecdote that will lead to like a final point. <laughs> I'll try and keep it brief. So, uh, one thing that I, I I think I noticed somebody doing, and it and it, and it concerned me, and it leads me to an understanding of some of the rules that exist at higher level of play that don't exist at lower level of play. Um, during a draft, I saw a, a player that had, it was, I think it was either pack two or pack three, so there was a fair amount of cards that had already been drafted in front of this player. And they looked at a pack, and they were deciding, you know, they're partway through the pack, they were, they were deciding... Um, and they, they took a card and they put it on, on top of the cards that they had drafted. And then they, they paused, they hesitated, they kind of looked in the sky with kind of like a, a contemplating kind of look. Then they put down the, the, the rest of the pack. They then looked at the rest of the cards that they had already drafted, rearranged the order 
putting a, a card that wasn't on the top back on top, then took that card, put it in the pack, looked at the pack for a while, and picked a different card and put it on top, effectively taking two cards from that pack and replacing one of them and passing the pack on. Wow. Um, if I weren't waiting because there was a pile of packs um, that, that had train-wrecked a couple players to, to, to um, be on me, if I weren't waiting because I actively didn't have a pack in front of me, there's no way that I would have ever noticed that happening, particularly because of the, the pauses and the way that it, it was done. Looking at the stack of cards that one has drafted is actually um, a fairly commonplace activity amongst people that I draft with. I mean, I mean, whether it's a non-retail draft or whether you're actually in your card shop, you know, at an F&M or whatever drafting, that's something that is accepted as a norm. Is it not a big deal, especially with, with newer players because they don't have the, the kind of memory of the cards that they drafted and, you know, they're not exactly sure what they're doing from an archetype standpoint, so they keep looking at the stuff so they can make these decisions. And, that, like, that's understandable. That's acceptable within all these 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 groups for a reason because it, it makes the game easier and more fun but it also provides this opportunity when you are looking at a pack and interacting with the cards that you already drafted to cheat in this way that you would not be able to do if you follow the rules that you have to follow at a higher level where you're going pack by pack one, one pack at a time and also not being able to actively look at the stack of cards that you drafted during during a pack, you you have you have a specific time between packs um, that you can look at the, the the stuff that you already drafted. Um, so like that, those those types of, of of conventions that are really like a real pivotal part of of, of drafting at a higher level and aren't a part of the lower level provide opportunities for, for, for cheating for per se. And then also, I mean, like if you, if you don't register your deck list and you've got in, in the box, in this, in the, in like your box of cards, you've got an old draft deck and you put, let's say after you, after you construct your deck, you put the rest of your cards in your, in your box. It's really, really easy after the next time you go to your sideboard to see this, this stack of cards. So, like that type that type of thing is, it's too easy, in my opinion, based on some of the constructs, to to really, like, take that jump and into to cheat in these in small ways, and then that will obviously lead you because you're probably going to be successful to do it even more, and that scares the crap out of me. Yeah, the slippery that's, slope. That's I mean, guess that I mean that those are my final thoughts too, like. If you if you are aware of of the possibility that somebody might do something like that, just be stricter with your with your with your playgroup and and request of your store to be a little stricter with the way that you force people to interact, like whether it be one pack at a time to pr- try and prevent the train wrecks, or to, you know you really actively try and not look at your your stack, which means that if you if you actually do, or if someone at your table does, it's more obvious that that's not a part of the norm in the group, and more people will look at them or maybe comment on that, or like, you know, you can do that once or twice, but really try not to do that. And if people, if you're, if you're confronted in that way, there's no way that you're, that you're going to 
cheat in that instance, in my opinion, because you're 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 actively aware that other people are aware of what you're doing. Right. So I guess those right. are my. I, I definitely agree with that. You know, and it, a lot of people are are kind of, and it's certainly the people that listen to podcasts about magic, we're we're all probably trying to improve our game, and a lot of people are trying to get to that competitive level. Um, it, you, you better sharpen your skills, and and you better start doing that on your own, and holding yourself to um, remembering what you drafted instead of looking at your draft pile all the time. Because I think that just in terms of skills, we've been spoiled by Magic Online and being able to you know, sort all the cards that we've drafted and look at them constantly while we're picking cards. And I think we've been spoiled by casual drafts where we're able to do the same thing and, and always look at your piles. And if you ever do make it to a, you know, even a PTQ or something like that that's, that's using a, a draft format, you're not going to be able to do that. And it can be a weakness that you can make some real big mispicks in a draft because you're used to being able to know what you've already drafted. And uh, so I, I totally agree with Greg that, you know, just hold yourself to that on your own and it will make you a better player. You know, a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about tonight is, is on that, that same level. You know, if you, if you hold yourself accountable to that level of play, it makes you a better player. Um, in, in addition to making you a legitimate player and, and not, you know, falling into this kind of, questionable cheating activity. So I, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. Wow. Wow, Greg. I, I actually uh, am embarrassed to say that I didn't even know that that was the reason why they didn't let you uh, look at the packs. I thought uh, I actually qualified for nationals uh, for the first time this year, took the game more seriously this year, and Congratulations. you know, drafted drafted without, you know, we, we couldn't look at the packs, we couldn't look at, you know, anybody, right, just at our cards. And wow, I didn't. <laughs> I learned something that 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 is the reason why, right, Greg? Like almost for sure. Like there's okay. there's a, there are there are a lot of those types of things that can be prevented if you follow these conventions. And there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of things that the judge do that uh, judges do that are kind of strange that are are because they are aware of certain types of um, stacking decks. And there's there's a, there's a there's so many different types of cheating that that are out there that are just obnoxious. And in right, we'll luckily, luckily, some players have have actively helped um, the the judging community be aware of these things. You're saying? I don't, I'm just saying. Wow, like I was talking to Jonathan about uh, being pro, more proactive, uh, being more preventive rather. And I think I'm definitely going to consider implementing that. But all the time when I've drafted casually. It's so casual, like in terms of looking. Not only can you look at the packs, you know, there's people in the draft that will ask other people's opinion, right, of of the cards <laughs> they should take. Is and, that, is, you know, that, is that at a at a store, or just with your friends, like at someone's basement? Well, at a store, but like where everyone is a close friend, oh, okay. and where someone would be like, "Man, stop hate drafting me!" <laughs> no, you're drafting the same color to me, aren't you? So there's a lot of casual talk, but definitely, I I I've feel that I will be implementing some of these rules because I want my team to get better and uh, definitely will do the can't look at Don't other get, people's cards. So. One, one caveat, if you're talking about a play group and you're talking yeah. about um, communication in, in the way of, of um, assisting signals by act, actively talking about various things, now yeah. that is extremely frowned upon at higher levels of play. You will get yelled at repetitively by judges. I think it is actually 
actually a positive thing to do in your playgroup when you are learning a format, uh, really early in, in learning a format, because Absolutely. you're telling them information they may not be aware of without you telling them that, and it will help them um, actively become aware of that and, and recognize through the cards signals that you're actively telling, you're actively sending them. Like I, mm. I, I'm a big proponent of when you're when you're play testing and when you're at, when you're when you're drafting non like non retail drafting that you do that some of that communication and I, and as I, long as it's not excessive. And here's something where Greg and I are going to completely disagree because I could not be further on the other side of the spectrum where I say I think when you're with your play group and you're in that situation you should not at all talk during the draft. I mean you you can talk a little bit of crap and blah blah blah, but I think it breeds bad habits to talk during the draft and to uh, do that type of stuff. What I think is helpful is if you're with your play group, you can get the exact same thing accomplished but better if you wait till afterwards and then you discuss your picks. And you remember your pick orders, do that. But if you're doing it do the, during the draft, A, it's going to possibly influence future picks in a way that is not going to be helpful in honing your skills when it really comes down to it. B, is going to uh, just, I think, it just breeds habits in you that it can be easy to break except... Um, you might just it might just be so habitual that you might just say something off the cuff in a high level tournament at a second day of a grand prix or something where you're going to get in trouble for saying something like that and for not taking it seriously enough just because you're so used to it even if you are doing it with some friends who might also be in your pod at that tournament so i would say when you're with your play group it's better to just you know like you can you know just banter back and forth but mostly about the cards and talk about cutting and stuff like that if you want to get better better to have a normal draft and then afterwards talk about your picks talk about your pick orders why you made decisions and in fact uh one of the best examples of that might be the recent magic online draft series that uh channel fireball did and have you guys checked that out where they had um the dream team draft or something i can't remember what it was called Let's see if we can look that up but do you guys know no, I, yeah yeah I, I, yeah i didn't see it okay it's uh I'm just going to pull up the actual name of it. Um, the All-Stars, uh, Scars and Mirrodin draft, where they had uh, LSV and um, Tom uh, M and a bunch of other folks uh, that were that are just, you know, top players drafting, and they all individually discuss what's going on in their, in their drafts and why they make certain decisions, but I think that's better. But... Um, for other things, I would agree with Greg. For constructed play, I think it's very important to talk about each kind of turn and you know different decisions, and you can even you know you can even reveal information. But I think for drafting, it's kind of a different animal, if that makes sense. No, it, it, what you just said does make sense. I actually I actually agree with you, but um, one one part of my point may have been been lost in the way that I conveyed it at the beginning of format. So right after a set comes out. Um, and, and and we probably still may disagree on this. We may differ on that, but I think that it it gives your play group a leg up on on being aware of certain things really early in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's that's really what I'm referring to. I mean, a lot of a lot of play groups do it consistently all the time, and and from that perspective, I totally agree with you. I think that those are bad habits. And I've seen I've seen players like at 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 PTQs even like the. Um, talking about talking about things with like asking and actively talking about a friend's deck to somebody else 
really loud in the front of, in front of a bunch <laughs> of other players because that's what they do. That's what you're used to talking about. Oh, blah 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 has blah 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 and blah blah blah. And when you're doing that in a group in in a setting that's not like reserved, you're giving away information you really shouldn't be. So anyway, yeah, absolutely. And the rest of your play group is probably going to beat you down after the match. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, and <laughs> and. Uh, you know the 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 fact of the matter is that uh it's 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 kind of a thin line and there are reasonable people who can disagree also because it is a game of fun ultimately and it is just super fun especially if it's not for if it's not DCI rated and you're just at someone's house and drafting to just talk crap the whole time and talk about you know different you know pick orders or I can't believe you passed this or whatever whatever and some people will always have an issue with that. Um, some people won't. In fact, I know people who, in casual and otherwise, will always are always trying to game the system. They're always trying to be like, you know, trying to get extra information any way they can. And they'll like show one of their cards and be like, "All right, now show me one of yours." The card that they show is completely irrelevant, and they but they might have a chance of getting free information. And there's always kind of like that. That hustle going on, which irks, I know irks who you're me. referring to. <laughs> it is frustrating. I'm not, it, but, I'm but, not but dropping time, names, but I'm yeah, just but, saying. Yeah, but but it, it's it's effective. <laughs> it is. It's effective, and that's and that's why that that particular behavior has has continued because in in the group of, of people that that particular person um, plays with, it's 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 an acceptable it's an acceptable um, activity, and it's not called out even during during retail drafts. It's not called out by by local judges. Um, yeah, well, I'm yeah. just gonna say right now, Russell, you got to stop doing that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I get carried away, and I, I don't know what comes over me. I got to be honest with you guys. They're totally kidding. It's not Russell. It was KYT. But moving along, um, <laughs> we can, uh, we can. I think we can, we can go on to uh, um, one other quick thing. Have you guys checked out MTGMom.com? I was just looking at the site. As a matter of fact. It's pretty interesting. Can you explain um, to our listeners who haven't got a chance to see yet what it is? Yeah, it, 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 it appears to be uh, a magic-loving mother mm-hmm. who also apparently loves cupcakes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and is, often uh, goes to tournaments. <laughs> right, is, is chronicling her magic calendar and activities. Uh, she's got some photos up there from a recent PTQ and uh, is... is uh, Apparently, really busy playing Magic. Uh, she's got so many things on this calendar, I can't even believe it. But um, yeah, it's just a, a general blog about uh, um, one who enjoys playing Magic. Looks interesting. Absolutely, and and yeah, and, and even you know more specifically, what it is is it's actually an aggregator for all the tournaments going on, and it's freaking awesome because you can just come here for a one-stop shop and she'll put your you know she'll put all the events up there so you can see like oh the 27th well there's a grand prix in florence there's a ptq in edison new jersey in garden city in las vegas and in madison wisconsin which hopefully we'll all be going to except for kyt who lives too far but it's pretty awesome like (laughs) great way to to aggregate that news and and just props to her um and she's actually yeah she she's she's just great she uh 
I don't know what this website's all about and why she's doing it, but it's super sweet, and you guys should all check it out um, and and give her some some shout-outs because it's it's a great resource, and stuff like this really helps the magic community, especially because the main site is so freaking... I just hate navigating it when I'm looking for stuff. I, I have such trouble sometimes with it. Like, do you ever use that MTG locator, and then it pops up that weird, like, superimposed Google map, and then, it, you know, it's like... Yeah, that thing is a pain. Yeah, and it only works on some, you know, browsers and da-da-da-da. Ah. So anyway, <laughs> have you see, have you, uh, are you checking that out now, KYT? Yeah, yeah, I'm checking it out. I, I've seen her uh, prop like retweeted on my Twitter feed uh, just for the past couple of weeks and just wondering why. <laughs> but uh, I guess I'm going to hear a lot more from her for weeks to come, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and that's awesome. And also, you know, there's, I mean, you know, there's not enough women in magic. We've said it for a while. So this is a good way to bring more women in and make it more of a normalized thing, which is cool. I mean, it's just awesome. It's a great site. She does good work, and that's cool. Um, Greg, are there any other links that we're giving shout-outs to today? Um, not links, but I'm 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 also now looking at at the website and uh, <laughs> and seeing her and seeing her picture. I've definitely seen her uh, at I think it's our nationals actually. Yes, uh, she yeah. was. I believe yeah. It's uh, Megan Holland. Uh, yeah, she's got she's got a great personality. Yeah. Definitely, um, like definitely somebody that uh, I think is is an enjoyed part of that community. Definitely. Okay. Well, uh, props to Megan. Thanks so much um, for the work that you do for the magic community and to everyone else who puts in, you know, their time. Um, even sellouts like KY2, KYT are getting paid for it now. Like, thank you very much. Even though stuff that we all do for free you're you're now banking off of and you can afford that nice new bmw and everything else dude i don't know how expensive it is in canada but that's pretty sweet so thanks um so yeah uh oh yeah that's right it's not a link it's a uh we have the link on our on our four spikes page but the but the oh sure i know you're talking about now you're you're talking about the news we've got there's there's a newly released art for tezzeret Yes, and it looks sweet. Yeah. And like uh, Cameron uh, Koloth uh, commented on our page, I swear if he's not a three or four converted mana cost mono black planeswalker, somebody wants he's going to die. Yeah. Hopefully that's not uh, that's, that's not a credible threat, but the art is super sweet, and we are hoping for a cheap black planeswalker finally. Yeah, black needs some help in that uh, category, I think. Definitely. But the they art do. is awesome. Are you guys looking at this? Yeah, I'm looking at it too right now. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, so you guys can check it out. Uh, you can go to the Four Spikes Facebook page and see it. But he's got this. Uh, he's kind of got the same Tezzeretti arm that was being all um, esper together by his magic or whatever. But it's not a full arm. It's kind of just the bone of it. But now instead of kind of the metal theme, there's like a fire theme. Looks really dark and kind of evil. Um, well, and, and, you know, if you follow the backstory, Tezzeret was corrupted by Bolas uh, and uh, is is now kind of uh, a servant of, of Bolas in the same way that Sarkinet uh, Vol became a servant of Bol- Bolas, and we all know what happened to him. So uh, I, I think that uh, the black leanings are definitely uh, within the realm of possibility. 
That's awesome. Uh, so what's so you do you do you follow the story? Do you know like how that actually happened? What's the deal with Tezzeret and Nicobolas? Are they just like yeah. chilling on the plane and? Well, yes. Uh, I, I don't know if you, I don't think any of you guys have read the uh, the Path of the Planeswalkers was the collection of uh, a lot of the the comic strips that appeared on uh, the Mothership site, and uh, they they collected it up and and bound it in a graphic novel. And it talks about uh, one of the stories is about Tezzeret and uh, sort of how he came to be in his his uh, path to a planeswalker. Um, and uh, it, it sort of leads up to the point where he meets Nicole Bolas for the first time, um, and it's it's a pretty good story. But he gets uh, his planeswalker spark. Uh, the first time he experiences it, transports him to Grixis, uh, where he meets Bolas, and uh, I'm I'm sure that uh, he makes a much more in depth appearance in the in the novel. I think uh, there's a novel that features Tezzeret and Jace together. I haven't read it personally, but uh, yeah. I think that he has probably been corrupted. Yeah, and if any of our listeners uh, know the kind of backstory, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, neither Greg or I kind of actively follow the storyline that's parallel to magic, but we find it interesting, and, you know, we like fantasy and all that stuff, so we'd like to know what the deal with Tezzeret is and what he's going to be up to these days. Right, Greg? Yeah, I mean, we it's... <sighs> It's fascinating, but it's not fascinating enough where I'm going to go and you know buy or read the books. <laughs> but, we, but we will read emails but, about the books. But we cer- yeah, no, like I, I love, I love, I love like a, a summarized yeah you know, like description. That'd be a awesome. cliff notes. Um, In fact, yeah, if yeah. someone could write up the cliff notes for all these books, <laughs> we will definitely probably look at a couple. <laughs> we definitely would probably look at a couple. Uh, in in fact, sure. it's actually. I did once um, go on Wikipedia, and there's actually um, a fair amount of information about some of like the storyline. Yeah, it's it's a really good reference of of just kind of a, a broad outline of what's going on in the storyline. Wikipedia will will serve you very well. Yeah, I, I went through. I tried to do it chronologically from like the very beginning, and that became that proved difficult. Um, there, there's yeah. a lot of like spots early on, and it's actually extremely aggravating. Uh, however, <laughs> however, it then gets really robust and kind of overwhelming in, in, in a positive way. And I definitely pissed away a full day of work <laughs> on, on Wikipedia on it. And then I, I, then I kind of vowed to never go back because it, it, it took me in so much. But um, one, one, <laughs> one transition I'd like to go through with regard to this picture. Do you, um, KYT, have you, um, have you seen this picture? Do you, do you know what we're talking about? I, I'm actually on, on Facebook looking at the picture if you're still talking about that picture yeah, yeah. um do you, i'm curious what 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 the three of you think that you um what what you can glean from this picture as 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 we all know the pictures are can lead you to some understanding of what the card will actually have for example i mean you could not know that this is a tesseract but look at it and if you know enough about the the lore, know that hey, that's in fact Tezzeret, for example. So, like color or maybe abilities. You ha- does anybody have any like um, guesses? Well, I I'm actually looking at the MTV uh, the uh, Wikipedia MTG Salvation uh, Tezzeret site, the wiki site, and here I'll put it. I'll link it to you guys. But uh, yeah, it's really interesting because they go on to say, you know. His backstory, yada yada yada, Seekers Fall, 
So he goes to Grixis, he's, you know, chilling through the Blind Eternities, reaches Nicobolas, he's able to survive all these crazy monsters, you know, that are attacking him on this plane, but then Nicobolas is like, dude, I'm gonna hook you up if you serve me. So in a non-specified future, after his ascension, Tezzeret secretly built his own structure of agents inside Bolus's infinite consortium. In one fell swoop, he orchestrated the assassination of all high-positioned cell leaders who were directly subordinated only to Bolas, replaced them with his own people, and effectively took over the consortium leadership. So there's a coup going on inside Dominaria, or wherever they are, and it looks like he's poised to, uh, you know, have a... He, he's, he's, he's gonna have a, you know, the militia take over, or whoever it is in charge, and, and wipe out... Uh, I don't know. You guys got to read the book, but this stuff's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you guys did, did do any of you have like guesses on color? Because like color is is the one that I'm really most curious about, and I've got my opinion, but I'm curious on other people's. I think it'll be black blue. I think he sounds like he might. I don't know. I'm just hearing you guys, and it's convincing me to believe that he might just be another Grixis planeswalker. Yeah, especially if you look at the art. I mean, there's lightning in the background. He's there's fire arcing from his body to the the Ethereum arm. Um, so that those are both uh, pretty pretty red. It'd be awesome if he was just red blue though. My favorite color combination in the color four spikes. Yeah, definitely. That'd be sweet. But yeah, it looks really dark. This is cool art. They have such great art now. Long gone are the days of you know Earthbind and. You know, ca- caja folio or whatever. Yeah, the folios. Yeah, yeah. The folios. <laughs> oh man. Um, but uh, anyway, so check that out. Uh, give us your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you guys think about Tezzeret and the new art. Um, and let's see. Moving along in our show notes. Um, I went to Minnesota this weekend. Do you guys want to hear about it? Sure. Totally. <laughs> sure. All right. Um, well, so long story short, I was going to go up. There was four people who, the three people who I thought for sure were going, one person was on the, you know, was a maybe. And as the date got closer to drive up to PTQ in Minnesota, um, the two of the people uh, were knocked off. One other person came on. And then back and forth, back and forth, where ultimately it was just me who was going to go. So I was like, screw that, I don't want to drive up to Minnesota, even though I have a lot of friends up there and it would have been fun, and and also playing the PTQ would be great. Uh, But then my beautiful, um, wonderful, intelligent girlfriend was like, you know, I have some friends in Minnesota, I have family, it would be a fun road trip just for us two to go up there. And we did that, and it was awesome. Uh, and she got to spend time with her family and, and with some of our friends who were up there. And I got to play Magic and then meet up with everyone afterwards and get the most delicious brunch I've ever had. I'm sorry, but brunch is an awesome meal, but this was amazing. If you're ever in Minnesota, you're in Minneapolis, go to the Grand Cafe. It was ridiculous. And the best brunch I've ever had. Uh, definitely top five. I've had some good brunches. It's an awesome meal. But moving right along, we had uh, this we had this PTQ up there where 172 people, I believe, showed up, and um, 
spoiler alert, I ended up getting 11th after going X and 2, uh, but it was a fun day, and I'm not going to go through each of my matches, I'll just say that uh, some of the highlights, one of them was that Brad Nelson showed up to Gunsling, actually, and helped promote one of the stores up there, um, can't remember what it is right now, but if I can, I'll put it in the show notes. And he, so I got to play against him, and it was kind of later in the day, so I didn't want to like chat him up and try to get him on the podcast or anything, um, because he'd already had tons of people coming up to him the whole time and, you know, talking his ear off and asking, and people were literally like shoving their type two decks in his face and being like, you know, what do you think? Should I, should I build it this way? Should I build it that way? Or their sealed decks or whatever? And it's just like, I'm sure he's had a very long day of <laughs> shuffling cards and giving advice and, you know, that type of stuff. So uh, we did play, and he was, like, really funny and easygoing, and just you can tell he has a super love for the game and just a really nice guy overall, and, and it was a great experience. And um, I hope that I can play against him competitively uh, because that would be a much better kind of test and, and also, you know, you can really see all the... Ma- all the all the stuff going on um, upstairs when when you're playing in a competitive level as opposed to just playing for for fun um, or for some I think they gave like some discount on a prize for going up there um, another awesome thing is in round six I was gonna play against Ryan Anderson who is one of our listeners um, so shout out to Ryan except that we got repaired uh, unfortunately, we got repaired, and I'll tell you why. Because first of all, Ryan is just a really like easygoing, nice guy, and even when it's in competitive uh, areas, it's always fun to just have someone who's willing to have like a conversation, and you know, you can just talk and get to know each other. Because some people get really into you know their mode, and they don't want to say anything, and they'll give like one-word answers and just be very kind of uh, you know machine-like about the whole process. You guys know what I mean. If you experienced that, Greg, or KYT, or Russell? Sure. sure. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so he was um, he was a really nice guy, and then someone like didn't drop properly or put on their sheet or whatever it was, so we got repaired, and I played against this other guy who I was X and 1 at the time, and my deck was fairly good. Uh, I had two arrests, two galvanic... Uh, blasts and um, uh, the five casting costs three three golem that puts two other ones into play. I had um, persecuted golem. Persecuted golem. I had a couple other rares uh, which are always nice, and it was just a good deck. So I played that and I was X and one until round six where I played this re- repair and the guy I played against was playing. What I thought to be a fairly, like a less than optimal deck, he was playing cards like Shell Clone and other things which I personally think are like not optimal at all. And he, you know, he said he didn't play that much, and you know, or I, you know, I got the impression that he was almost a little bit on the casual side. But I think that I just totally got pwned because there were two times in the match where he had pretty severe takebacks, one of them being where he stratocythed for a island, and he even announced island, took it out, put it down, shuffled his deck, and he's, you know, shuffling it while I'm reading Stratoscythe just to make sure I know the equip cost and everything else. And I'm I'm positive on that. And then he's like oh, wait, 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 he saw that I had planes out too, and he was playing planes, he's like, oh, wait, I'm actually going to get a planes. 
And so to that I was like, okay, dude, but you got to really be accurate in exactly the information you're saying because you did take out the island, announce it, you know, put it on the card and shuffle your deck afterwards. And that's not okay to do that. But I'll let you have it this time, but you've got to be very accurate because I thought he was just, you know, new to the game and I didn't want to, which is totally incorrect. I should have, um, you know, called the judge or told him that that's not, that's not possible, or at least gotten a judge to get their warning, or, I mean, their, um, you know, idea of it, because uh, anytime there's a dispute, that's just the best thing to do, but I just decided to let it go and whatever, uh, which the the two uh, points, then three points, then four points, that were the difference because of the lands I was laying um, that I had to to do my turn, were actually significant, and it, it's, it's the type of thing that would have switched the game if it was done the other way. Another one was I played an artifact and you know i was played a spell bomb and then i was like i was like go i played spell bomb he acknowledged it, he says okay that's fine and then i say um i like think about a couple of things for the end of my turn i'm like okay go and he's like oh wait a second uh counterspell that and it's that tube and a blue for uh instant counter target artifact draw card spell so it's pretty significant and once again, you know, being the quote-unquote nice guy, I totally let him uh, take it back and counterspell it, even though it was the second time in a row, and I shouldn't have, and it was definitely a mistake, but um, that was pretty, pretty bad beats. I'm reading, I'm reading the chats right now. It looks like KYT's got to go, uh, got to get rolling. Um, KYT, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thanks. And, uh, I agree. Yeah, definitely. And, and once again, just you know, we wish you guys the best with your show. Congratulations on on getting that sponsorship. That's really cool, and it definitely shows. If anyone who's listening to us isn't listening to the A team, you should. It's very high quality, and the production quality is out of control. Um, so check it out. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, fantastic, great show. Thank so, you guys so much. It's it's good to be on a show where I'm not totally uh, where you guys actually care about my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> We're not constantly ridiculing you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in the background being the nice host. I get to really chime in and and, and talk about what I want to talk about. But uh, well, definitely, man. Hope you, the other, you, you go ahead and say. I just want to say, hope the other guys don't hear hear me say this, but whatever. Well, we can, yeah, we can uh, edit it out, but we probably won't. But if you, um, no, I'm just kidding. But if you uh, ever want to. Uh, you know, come on again. You know, we'd love to have you again. Um, and that goes for any of your Canadian brethren, uh, brethren who are up there. We always love having guests, and and it's and we do really appreciate the work that you do. Um, so, yeah, man, thanks and thanks for joining us. Okay, before I leave, I'll, I'll plug in uh, my site www.managedprive.com. Uh, considered the number one strategy site in Canada because it's the only one. Hey. <laughs> so, but uh, check it out. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, definitely check it out. Even if you're not in Canada, check it out. They have some great content and they do great work. Good night, guys. Thanks, Coach. Good night. At this point in the podcast, it went a little too long, so we're going to break for intermission and be right back.